fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. You can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Put it in deep. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Pucks in Deep Podcast. I kind of forgot that was my intro. That was my time to That's come in. That's your cue. That's your time. That was my cue. It's not normally my cue. We don't have time for highlights. We don't have time for nonsense. We haven't been together in three months. Three months? Or three weeks. Three weeks? <laughs> Sorry, three weeks. Feels, feels like, like three feels months. Feels like three months. Feels yeah. like three months. Yeah. So we don't have any time for any gimmicks. We don't have any time for any extended Don Cherry clips, although they're fantastic. We're coming right in hot. We've got a long music overlay, which I'm okay with, man, because I was getting us all fired up here for episode 78. Pucks and D podcast. Welcome back. Adam Lesko, Josh Coleman. I just can't get over how good this Griffey track is, bro. I will never get over it. Every week when we're going on a weekly basis or whatever, I can't get enough of it. It always fires me up. Always. It fires me up all the time. It's just, <laughs> and it's on loop. And it's over and over again. And I am just having the time of my life. So welcome back, man. Welcome back into the garage. Happy St. Patty's Day. Yeah. It's good uh, to see you, my you friend. called me out on my lack of green. I mean, I didn't wear green at all today, full disclosure. I didn't like wear it to work or anything. I don't really see very many people. I did see a client today, so I guess I... worked I, from home, so... Okay, well, there fuck, you go. My, my give a fuck meter was very low. It's broken. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you've been working fuck. from home... Like, I've been working from home for three straight days now, and that... It's like being in a rut. Like, listen to you complain about it for three straight days. There's been people who I'm are not doing complaining it for, No, about I know it. what you're I'm you just mean, saying, but. like, you feel there's something weird about it. As comfortable as it is and everything, like, I've gone outside at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, it's beautiful out. It feels like you're not accomplishing anything. I should have, I should have went outside earlier. And, like, you sit around a lot more, so you have to force yourself to get up. But let me ask you this as it relates specifically to working from home. I envision, well, not envision. I mean, I will have the business here at my house someday. My insurance brokerage, which is now my father's, will soon be mine, all mine. It'll be mine and it'll be there in the, you know, in the addition. We're going to build an addition. It's going to be for the office. Would you call that the same thing? I personally don't because I think, like, I can't wait to have the office at my house, which means at any moment, if I want to fire off a quote or if I want to work on someone's policy or answer a fucking question for them, just head right over to the office and have a look. I think that's still working from home. Oh, I know it's working from home, but like, geez, I don't know. I, I'm probably not explaining home, it well. You have a home-based business. Yeah, I guess I'm not explaining it well. But it's like right now, sometimes like the business that I work in, obviously insurance, for those of you who don't know, I'm an insurance broker, yay. Um, <laughs> you know, but... Well, I say yeah because I mean some people think it's just the worst thing in the world, and some people like are like, oh, that's that's interesting, and I'm like, it is actually. I really enjoy doing it. I get to talk to a lot of people. I enjoy talking. That's why I started a goddamn podcast. But I guess at the end of the day, like right now, as an employee, I must go to work and literally sit there sometimes 
if fucking nothing is going on. Right. My old man is like, you sit here busy and you work. answer the you phone. You busy work. You, you bend the paper clips back to yeah. the way they should have been because we're not buying fucking new paper clips. You can fix all the old bent ones. I got to do if random you have, things. If you have any job like that, you need to master the art of looking busy. Oh, like I'm Where there's downtime, you know, so you don't get like make work projects, busy work. I'm pretty good at that. It's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of computer. You got to fool your dad though, so it's a little tougher than the average situation. Yeah, but he's also my father, who doesn't even know how to send a text message. Right. Yeah. Right. So the tech gap is your to your advantage. The tech gap is hugely. Like he's clicking the mouse, and he's like, "Wow, like a job." Oh gone. my, he's God. so busy. Meanwhile, Bro. you just got you. You could be playing helicopter or something. Bro, shit. I, I'm sewering him so badly right now. If he's gonna listen or anyone, it's. I'm sorry, Dad, but I'm doing it. The other day, he called me into the office, like his office, and he's like, he, I can't even remember what it was, but he's like, he's like, this isn't working. Oh, oh, his monitor. Because he had a bunch of old pictures on his other computer. So he, this was smart by him. I got to give it to him. He's like, I'll just plug my monitor into this old computer and get my pictures. And I'm like, man, he's smart. He knows what's up. I go into the office. I'm like, what's wrong? He goes, my monitor is not turning on. I have it plugged into the computer and everything. He's, I'm like, he's like, it's just not turning on. I'm like, all right, well, let's just have a peek over here. And the fucking cord is just dangling there. Not plugged into the wall. It was not plugged into the wall. <laughs> now, in his defense, the newer monitors simply have to get plugged into the computer and then they run off the computer. The older monitors had two. You had to go one into the computer and the other had to physically be plugged into an outlet. Hmm. Right? So... You know, it was just one of those moments where I was like, hey, there you are, Dad. Did you plug it in? <laughs> you know, first and foremost, did you plug it in? So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's coming along to it. But, yeah, back to the original point of the story. As an employee, I feel like I have to go to work and do work, whether you are working or whatever, versus working from home or having, a, like you said, a home-based business means I can kind of do the work whenever the fuck I want. It depends on how, my own how schedule. much you separate the two, I guess. And, you know, you go in, into the office and you're in there for eight hours or you're just there to like be you there said, doing your work as it kind of comes in. Well, let me ask you, do you think this is crazy or not? Because I said this to Kirstie the other day and she kind of questioned me. As it stands right now, I get up. So it takes me eight minutes to get to the office. I get up 10 minutes before I have to be there. That's wild. Right? So I get up, Although I put the I coffee on, I put the coffee it. on, I let Archie out, I brush the teeth, I do all of this at the same time. On off days, I'll wake up like 12 minutes early and jump in the shower for two minutes because I don't shower every goddamn day. We already talked about this. I barely shower any days. Yes. That's, but some days, that's you know, it's either 10 minutes early or 15 minutes early depending on my level of stench. And then I head to the office. But I said to Kirsty, if the office, when the office is here, I feel like I'll be up at six and I will be doing breakfast and I'll probably hit a few balls into my sweet new net. You see, I got that big ass net here. Yeah. Yeah. So probably what you're going to want to do that is, is wake up earlier, get shit done earlier because you know, the earlier you're done your work, go golfing. things you can do other things around your house or whatever. That's key. Take advantage of the daylight, nice summer day or whatever. Cutting the so, lawn, doing yeah. the leaves, lots of yard work at a place like this, man. Oh, and yeah. I mean that as it, as it is, I don't mean to like take off and go golfing. I mean, actually get some shit done. Cause there's been times where I just told my old man, listen, I'm fucking leaving, man. Like <laughs> I have too much shit to do at the house and I don't want to have to be doing it until nine 30. 
Like, I'm fucking out here. I got nothing else to do. So when the business is here, I fear, figure I can do that all the time. The and then, you know, you can pop of, on uh, by. I guess those that's the beauties of uh, family business, right? I guess so. Anyways, let's keep rolling. That was a completely unplanned total rant on how you, I guess, how much of a bad employee I am. That, yeah, pretty much. Like, you partially <laughs> sewered yourself. You said you're sewering your father, but I, I think you sewered yourself too. Yeah, there. but I sewered him on the old man joke. Doesn't know how to, you know, he types text with the one finger. He's fully capable. He just chooses not to. I Maybe he's the smartest guy I know. Oh, we'll find out someday what, the, what that's all like, I guess. All right. Anyway, weather's turning. That's pretty fantastic. Unbelievable. Right? Like, man, it was warm enough the other day that I could have went and played a round of golf. It was 20 Straight degrees. Up. Crappy thing. Yeah. The ODR is just gone, though, in like one day. Yeah, gone. one day. Yeah. I know. All that hard Such work. A shame. All yeah. that hard work and unfortunately was not enjoyed by the amount of people that otherwise would have enjoyed the outdoor Yeah, ranks. of course, there were so many rules, and we kind of got into that one day, I guess, on this show, so we won't get into it again. Did you put your skates on at all this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I went. I did the skating trail. I went. Oh, good. Hacked around the ODR. Oh, you did go for yeah. a wheel. Well, I live like ODR. I live like oh, two yeah. blocks away. Kinsman, from Kinsman Park. So right, got okay. to go there. And well, that's good. Skate around. That's good. I only laced up the wheels once for the for the skating trail, and I was kind of nervous that I wasn't going to lace them up at all. Yeah, which would be pretty weird. I don't remember the last winter I didn't lace up skates. It was weird not like actually putting the gear on and playing any hockey. Yes. Yeah. So no kidding. Definitely missed that. But thankfully there's hockey on TV. It looks like there's going to be hockey on TV down in the States for quite some time. Uh, ESPN signed Ooh. that big old nasty deal with the NHL. Sounds like it's going to be available on all kinds of platforms too. Uh, streaming on Hulu and Disney. Disney, and right? ABC is going to carry games too. So it sounds like the ABC. NHL is going to have a pretty wide reach and, I think the obvious advantage that everyone's been talking about is that with it being on ESPN, ESPN is the gold standard of sports in the States. Not knocking NBC and the work that they've done for the game, and I enjoy the people that, you know, a lot of the people they have. It. I mean, a lot of the TSN guys they have on their broadcast. Right? Oh, yeah, NBC's been great. Yeah, so it, it, it seems like it's going to be lucrative for the NHL, though, and it seems like the wider audience, and it's nice to see they're you know, able to fetch a bit more money even in this in this economy. Yeah, well, I think it just goes to show that there is value in the product. Yeah, and, any, and it's like, being recognized. And yeah. What it, the, the growth they've done is being recognized, I think, in it, this deal. Yeah, and you know what? It should be recognized. And this is going to sound a little out of left field, so bear with me for a moment. But, like, I'm in some Facebook groups and social media circles and stuff with people that I don't really know them, but I just see what they comment a lot because I'm in the group. So this person's always commenting, right? And I always notice, like, so, for example, one of them is a golf group. Group, right now, obviously not all golf fans are going to be hockey fans, but you know, we were having a discussion one time about all the other sports. They're so like, okay, golf aside, like what's your other favorite sport to watch or play or whatever. And like hockey was zero. Yeah. Like zero. Right. Like asking people in Canada, if you want to go and have a round of cricket yeah, and you'd think, you know, all the rules. And that's shit. not surprising. Cause you look at the size of the market down there and you look at what they have even though with all those teams down there, it's so, such a small percentage of the sports market, the overall sports market. Yeah, and while it's I, not like here where it's number one yes. unequivocally. Yes, of course. Right? Yeah. No, no. And I, I know I can't compare apples to apples because it's yeah. clearly apples it's like and you've oranges. It's like you've got the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and then somewhere down here, 
is the NHL. Yeah, but for, but dude, for some people, and that was what was bringing me to my point about these other groups, for some people, not only is it way down here, they don't even have it on their thing. They hate it. Right. They it's hate not like, it. It's not like I'll, I'll flick on the hockey game or I'll turn on the sports channel if it's on. I'll hockey watch it. is terrible. Right. Hockey is the worst. Fuck hockey. And I'm kind of thinking like, man, oh man, like this person doesn't watch a second because sometimes it's the most goddamn exciting thing you've ever seen, but sometimes it's boring. I, you know, we, you can attest to that. Sometimes it's boring. There's no chances. Nothing's going on. Nobody's getting any shots. I think the biggest difference now is that is like high definition 4k television has made hockey a better spectator sport as for every sport. Probably golf is a really good example of that. Golf is a great example. Um, But I think maybe the best because on a big complaint that I hear um, and my wife actually says this all the time. It's it's following the play is yeah. difficult. If you don't know, like I feel like my ability to follow the plays stems from having played and just knowing the game and kind of going like, oh, the puck's going over here. I know it's where to look for here. it. Yeah. I know where to look for it. Yeah. But if you don't know the kind of ins and outs and how you know the puck necessarily performs on a physical level, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're going to be looking for it constantly. Well, and combine that with rules. Oh, you can't shoot it from here or you can't do this right. from there or you can't like, there's yeah. a lot of rules yeah. to go in, in with your, like you said, being able to follow the play yeah. physically speaking. It's almost like it's the tough. curve. Like if you can, if there's something that gets you in there, like say you got in because you saw a wild play or something like it's the exposure. I think that they're looking for because they know the product's good. Right. They get in front of more eyeballs, and hopefully the fans will come. Right. And you know, that's you'll why grow the game that's based why, on that too. I, I think uh, you know a lot of people may argue this point, but I think hockey would have to be up there. You know, if not the most significant or top two or three, being there in person. The significance of being there in person mm-hmm. versus watching it happen on the television. Like the respect that you gain for the level of hard work, dedication, and sheer talent yeah. that it takes for these athletes to be able to skate on little fucking blades of knives on ice with a stick in their hands and a little frozen puck and fucking whack it around and shoot it off the crossbar yeah. and in and tip it. Like, it's just crazy. In-person viewing is very important and obviously a huge priority for, well, I mean, we're starting to see fans in the buildings. Like, that's outstanding, really. And because that's really what builds the experience. I mean, I there's sports. Like, I don't watch football and I don't follow football. But I went to a football game once. My dad took me to an Argos game in Toronto when I was, I don't know, a teenager. Right. It was fucking awesome. Oh, it probably it was, was super greatest. exciting. Like, you know, when the ball's up in the air and, you you know, you're following the ball, looking at the receiver. Like, it was way more, I guess, intimate as, as the obvious answer to that. But I was just really impressed and it was a lot more exciting in person. And, like, I would definitely go to another game. But am I, like, you know... Watching football on Sundays? No, 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 right? no. The big so it just goes to stuff, show yeah. you like how different and and how much I guess the atmosphere plays in and and just being able to kind of watch on your own terms. Too. Yeah, that's true. You know what else is a big deal too, man? Is like the fact that there is str- simply less points, right? In all these other sports. Okay, and I'm thinking basketball especially because I went to a Raptors game. Right. Same idea. Like I watched more now when the Raptors have been great. Like, so like I there was more admit, to I'm, cheer about because yeah. they're scoring points Score, every, yeah. every yeah. minute or so. You know, or and then they make a, a big, big block. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a little more to Versus get you going. In hockey, it's like, you know, there might be one great save from your goalie and that's it. 
no, 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 no chances for the other team or for your team or, or really anything to get off your seat about. But all these other sports feature, you know, points after points after points. Now let me bring you full circle where it comes to the to finish for me, which is soccer. And I know you're a big player, big fan. Right. So, like, I, I'm not the guy that's going to watch it on television, but mm-hmm. when I was over in England, I went to Leicester City, uh, the Cats or whatever they are. They're in the Premier League. Yeah. They actually won the, the league. Yeah, the they year. won the title with their big underdogs. It was the year yeah. that I was there. Right. I wasn't there for the title. I was just there during the season. But right. They beat the team 7-1. And it was the, hands down, the most outrageous banana level fucking time in the world yeah. i was like it was cold and i was like man, and like this seventh is gonna goal suck. sallied the same way the first yes. goal right and you know what else dude it was six nil and the away team scored to make it six one there was only like four or five minutes in the game left and i'm sure as you're aware of this they have like the away spectators are in a certain slice of the stadium they are not scattered throughout the stadium if you're cheering for the other fucking team, yeah, you're, you're sitting in your section. Yep, and they've yeah. got they've got two security guards per row all the way down the stairs, yeah. fucking standing there. And when they scored to make it six to one, they went nuts. Yeah, even though they were down <laughs> so hard. Nuts. Yeah. And the security guards were pushing them back and they were pushing they were throwing fucking pints yeah. at the other player you know and then the ball got kicked off or whatever and Leicester City scored again and the guy <laughs> did the airplane and I was just like I was losing it yeah. like I was like I, I, I'm out I'm, this is an out of body experience I never yeah. expected it to be this I way I know you feed off the energy too of the people you're around and it's funny because I, I, when you try and analyze like say you compare soccer to hockey okay well maybe in soccer they they cheer a lot harder because they they, um, they score, score less, less yeah. right so you're that much more fired up by a goal but like Which hockey, is fair. honestly like put hockey and soccer scores soccer's probably only a little bit you know this is based on zero math is only a little bit lower scoring than the average hockey game yeah i would say so i mean you get you do get a lot of, a lot of one nothing and stuff like in yeah. soccer you don't get a is lot of that it's just hockey anymore? fans i you know i think it's more it may be not even hockey fans. I feel like maybe North American fans as opposed to European fans are different because you see it We're sometimes. Not as you see it sometimes in the if you ever watch like you know, elite league hockey or you see it in the World Juniors. Sometimes the audiences for some of those teams, they're they're. I guess maybe they get it from that culture of singing and dancing yeah. the whole time you're out of game from soccer. That was it. But that's the only time I've seen it in hockey. And are we just lame as North American sports fans? Yes. Or do we just, is it our shitty attention spans? Like, what, what is it? I think we've had a brief discussion on this, like, early when we first started the pod. I feel like we kind of had this talk, and I remember saying to you something along the lines of this. I think, and I could be pissing off a lot of our foreign viewers, all three of them, or whatever, <laughs> or whatever we have. But seriously, I, I feel like maybe we are a more nervous part of the team fan. Whereas on their side of it, they just expect greatness all the time. And you're just 
I don't know. We're maybe, the best. Maybe you're just and uh, you guys suck, and we're gonna win for sure. And then when they don't win, then they get all angry about it. But for us, yeah, we we might know that we're not the best. Just and, seems like they're so know? happy to see a goal. You know what I mean? Like we're it, it's almost like we're like finally. And I thought maybe this is just a, a Leaf fan mentality thing, but I think I do project this on other sports that I'm watching, where maybe I have skin in the game, or I'm rooting for someone. But it's like you're almost cheering for your team not to fuck up, right? Or not to do something wrong. Instead of like really tr- like truly appreciating the greatness, you know, of of plays or goals that happen, it's like, well, we're up one nothing, but we're getting outshot right now. You know, right. it's like barely deserved to be in this. Let's let's friggin' pull up the socks here, boys, and get another one. Right, but like think about it. Think about it when you cheer for Team Canada at the Olympics. Think mm-hmm. about it like when Zach Parisi, back then they said Parisi. Uh, think about Zach Parisi tying the game and how nervous you were for Team Canada, but it was probably a much different nervousness than with the Leafs. Right. Because with the with with your your dedication to the Leafs, it's always a more nervous energy. And maybe that nervous energy would go away or would have already dissipated if we had won something. If we had a championship to celebrate back in 2008 or something yeah. like that, we wouldn't have that nervous energy like we yeah. do. But like you just said, we expect them to fuck up all the time. Yeah. But And that, that permeates throughout an entire building and I think throughout an entire sport. Maybe like, hockey fans are, are a little bit lame. Maybe that's what it is. Because like, I, I don't know, I talked with us before with being at the games and cheering like 10 times harder than anyone around me and maybe just because I get real excited and you know don't go to a lot of games so it's when you go you want to have the where best though, time. like in Ottawa or uh, in either Toronto or, or Ottawa or Toronto when they score I'm roaring like I get fired up you know I it, at home I how many times do you jump off the couch for a goal like maybe a big tire, maybe a big late, late winner, yeah, an OT, OT winner. winner, maybe a couple times a season. That you might, you, you know, playoffs notwithstanding, but like yeah. during the season, you get up off the couch for a few throw down fist pump, maybe. Yeah, of course. Right? But when when I'm at a game, every single game, every goal they score, oh, I am two fists in the air. Oh, it's cup winner. Screaming, you know, high fives for everyone, everyone. around. Like it's, <laughs> it's it's a cup winner. Yeah. No, I just now just talking about that just got me in the hole. Like, when the hell are we gonna be able to do that again? Hopefully next season. But you are right though, bro, because and I think I think American fans do it even better than we do as well. Oh, that was the conversation. It was Canadian hockey fans versus American hockey fans. And I was angry with our fellow Canadians for what you are saying right now. Right. We're fucking lame. We're kinda lame. And then you go down there and they don't even know. They don't even know that the team <laughs> know what's going is on, on a six game losing streak. Yeah. They got the tickets from corporate and beer is fucking free. So they're just hammering back the Bud Light. It's so cheap down there. You too. know, it yeah. Might as well be free. They're double fisting. They even bought a jersey because it only costs them 30 bucks. <laughs> he bought the jersey and his hammering back pints is completely wasted and is having the time of his or her life. Yeah. Right, and that's why I think they they do do it better than us, and that's what it boiled down to, dude. It's because we have this religious, nervous outlook on the team, and they just have like, hey, 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 I'm going to the fucking wild game, let's go, you know. And like, how about Minnesota, man? Like, everybody's having a great time right there. If they could be at the game, fuck, I feel bad for Wild fans, man. The the team is finally good, and they can't even have anybody in there. And Minnesota (laughs) hockey hotbed, right? Like the. No more fans <laughs> deserving in the league, probably, of uh, to have their team finally not only be good but be 
fun to watch. I'm glad you said that because I wanted that's, to that's create the real, the real point. I think there, and I know we really, I think we spent like 40 minutes in an episode just dissecting why they're so lame, so and boring, why they've been so boring over the years. So I got, I think it was when Bill Guerin got hired that we had this conversation. So we'll give him a little pat on the bum yeah. because that's pretty impressive. Pat on the you know, bum. like they, I, the, getting Kaprizov over there. Is good, but they also made a few changes to that team and have made themselves, you know, they have offense. Let's let's just man at this point. At this point, they should have two. They should have two guys on the ballot for rookie of the year. Yeah, that's right. They're Kirill the Thrill and Kakinen. Yeah, that's that's having those guys come in and have changed the (laughs) dynamic of that team and given them an opportunity to be competitive and you know see what what else they can do because. Now, hopefully, and I would imagine the vision right now is looking forward. How do we build up, not how we tear down? Or maybe that was the conversation that was percolating in their heads going into this season. Let's see how we do, but we're uh, a shitty season away from getting torn down and potentially a good season away from looking at building up. Yeah, and you know, I want to, I kind of want to retract what I said earlier about them being finally good. And I'm glad you brought up that they were fun to watch. That's what I meant to say. Like they've always, they've, they have been great in the past, but they've just well, been good. so boring. Okay, just okay. Yeah, like, like Randy Carlisle would say. Okay, just okay. okay some nights, okay. some nights great, some nights bad, but generally right above, yeah. you know, right above average. You knew what there. you were getting. You Making were getting the playoffs, a, you know, win yeah. around, maybe not, and fucking lose. You know, wear beautiful jerseys. You can see it over there on the wall. That's a uh, Derek Bugard jersey, by the way. Pretty sweet. R.I.P. Derek Bugard. Um, yeah, I like those ones too. Yeah, that's se- that's sexy one. But yeah, like for me, it's about them being exciting. They are finally exciting and. Yeah. Just a change from what we've come to know that team of being forever. They've been the same way, it seems like. It's like they've been locked in a time warp ever since they signed uh, Parisi and Suter. Right, yes, Parisi and Suter. Um, Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's an interesting one because they've never really had a a game-breaking player. Like is Gabrick their best player? Oh, it is, yeah, he's got to be their fran- franchise history best player. But I mean, is, is like and the most exciting player they've ha- they like Kaprizov is the most exciting player they've had on that roster since Marion Gabrick. And when did he leave? In like ten years ago? I know, right? Or whatever. And, like and even you, I think he went to the Rangers after that. Yeah, but even in his prime, and this is no disrespect to Marion Gabrick, but mm. even in his prime, are you really gonna pick him out of a lineup? with some of the other star elite level players well, on super, other teams. He was a superstar. I, right. I but I think, I think time. he's, I think he's down the pecking order. Yeah. Like if you're picking elite level players from back in his prime, he might be 14th or 15th. May have also list. not got a lot of love. Haven't been playing for, you know, being the only guy in Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Putting a true. team on his back. So yeah, true. Interesting story there. Um, I, I, I want to mention this, I guess, quickly because I did want to squeeze this in here, but Chicago is an interesting story this year and talk about putting guys on, teams on your back. You have to shout out Patrick Kane and what he's doing down there. And in that second portion of what I wanted to mention about Chicago Blackhawks is just pointing out uh, Brent Seabrook's retirement because I thought that was kind of sad. Sad to see. It's just another one of those guys from the the golden era of the Blackhawks, we'll say, 
uh, has had to hang him up, and and we you know we still don't know if or when Jonathan Taves is coming back either. But Brent Seabrook leaving is uh, wonderful for their cap situation, I'm sure. But uh, just kind of sad to see another great D-man, you know, go out like that. Yeah, the biggest storyline for me is definitely Taves. And I think the only reason for that is because, you know, it's twofold. One, the level of privacy, which is fantastic for Jonathan Taves and his family, but, you know, leaves us all wondering. And that's no fun because wondering leads to speculating and speculating never does any good for anybody. Right. Yeah. So it's it's basically it's not like what do you I think he's been doing, but it's not like I want to it's not like I want to know that or care to know that or need to know that. I just want to hope I hope he's all right. Do you think he's like ice fishing with Bufflin or something? I don't know. Like, I hope he's doing all right. That's the end yeah. of the story. Like, I hope yeah. he's doing OK. I hope he's not sitting in his fucking room all day with the blind shut. Like, yeah. I hope he's doing all right. And that's what's weird for me. Not weird, but that's what's unfortunate yeah. for me. And it's a guy who should theoretically right. have a lot of hockey left. So I really hope we see him back playing, you know, next season. Yeah, and not saying I see a lot of this, but, you know, I, I haven't even really seen any of it, to be completely honest with you. But mind you, I'm not on the Chicago Blackhawks Twitter feed all the time and stuff. But I'm sure there's more than a few people out there that have been like, man, come on, I need you back for my fantasy team or, you know, mm-hmm. some shit like that. And it's like, bro, like, that's not the point here. The point is, when's he going to come back, right? Like, anytime we're talking about someone's someone's health, it's not about, like, what's the date that you're co- going to come back? It's yeah. when are you going to get so back? I just hope, I hope when they, are you going to get back? back. And not, hope, you hope they can come back yeah. in that situation. And I don't mean, like, get back to hockey. I mean back to being good. Mm-hmm. And if being good means no more hockey, then that's fine, too. I'm okay with that. It's not like you have to ask my permission. But, you know, I'm going to applaud you for getting yourself back on your feet and then saying, I think hockey did this to me, mm-hmm. so I'm going to take a step back, right? But at this point in, in the game, it's just a matter of making sure that hopefully he's okay and, and hopefully we see him back. And if not, then hopefully he's just fine for the rest of his life. You know, you got to have quality of life here. Yeah. Patrick, but yeah, Patrick Kane, Patrick man. Kane's been a monster this year. Uh, has to be heart favorite. Uh, they look like they're going to cruise into a playoff spot. A nice little cushion there on Columbus, uh, fourth in the Discover division right now. Um, you know, not catching Tampa by any means, but not doing more than hanging around, which it, originally it looked like that might be what they would do is yes. hang around. Yes. But they've managed to, you know, they, they've got some good goaltending out of uh, Lankinen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Lankinen. I look at <laughs> friggin' trying to pronounce it like in my head out loud. I wasn't even reading it. I was just trying to. Because I've said it both ways so many times that I've, con- I've confused myself as Lankin to how to yeah. actually say it. And then you hear it said on a broadcast, and you're like, oh, yeah. yeah oh, of course. Like, yeah, yes, yeah, of course. I knew that. <laughs> Dude, yeah, Lankinen, man. Let me tell you straight up for our fantasy players out there. You guys are going to want to hear this little juicy tidbit. I picked up Lankinen on uh, free agent. Like, he wasn't on waivers or anything. Waivers is obviously, as you know, when you drop him, and then I decide, oh, I'd like to pick him up. So there's a waiver period. Sometimes it's one day. Sometimes it's two days. In my case, Lankinen was just a free agent. We're a, we're a, a, sh- a shallow pool. It's only 10 teams, 23 players per roster. So the, the free agency pool is pretty good. You can probably stream a goalie every night if a backup is playing, right? So Lankinen was off to a great start. I picked him up. I thought, what, what harm could it do? I got Sorokin. He wasn't off to a great start. So I dropped him and I fucking picked up uh, Lankinen. Sure as shit, guy is unreal. Right? So I'm like, man, this is fantastic. But I got Hart. I got, 
Uh, who's my other guys? I got Mrazek as well. I picked him up off uh, free agency and stashed him on my IR because he's coming back soon. So I'm like, I don't know what to do with this guy. I need a D. I'm going to see if there's any feelers out there. I literally just asked a guy in the pool, hey, man, what's the price for Morgan Riley? He goes, let me think on it. Messages me back the next day, Lankinen. <laughs> I go, fucking draft right. it up, man. Beautiful. Send it over. And this is a keeper pool with a maximum n- a number of keeper being three years. So it's a modified keeper. You can't keep him forever. But I like he just drafted Riley this year. He drafted Perfect. him, you know, used a mid-round pick on him probably. Maybe yeah. mid, mid to high. You gotta love when you make those early year pickups and flip flip them for a quick flip uh, them, man. For a quick something. Like try and tell me that Morgan Riley is not gonna be my keeper D. I would hope so. I would fucking hope so too. Now up, I, I have I, him. I've got him. He's putting up a good season. I have him, so. Yossi, and uh, and Dougie Hamilton as well. And Dougie Hamilton just got a spa the other night. Where are we going now? Gotta love to see when a guy on fantasy. Gets let's a, get into this. Uh, the the let's go to fantasy land here for for a minute and and uh, the magical world of the internet and oh. talk about uh, Mr. Portnoy. Oh man, that was uh, so crazy today. Deciding to put uh, well Gordon Miller on blast after Gordon Miller basically trashes organization and all we got was I don't know just punched in the face with it all day in our Twitter feeds about. It was. Uh, well, this, that, and the other thing, and I'm not going to go into too much detail. Basically, the story here is that Gordon Miller does these Q and A's on on Twitter every once in a while when he has some time, I guess, and they're always pretty fascinating to read. The guy's been doing this for I don't know thirty some years. He does or something. a lot of them, and he does a lot he, of. Yeah, uh, somebody asked him if he would ever go on Smith and Chicklets, and it was kind of an interesting question to ask. Um, but not really. If maybe he, like maybe just because people would like to hear him in that forum. Yes, which exactly. Is, I I would expect the question to be in, innocent. And nobody was goading him into anything. Uh, but he basically said, it's an "Interesting you, thought." He though. basically said, "Like, no, I love those guys, but it's not you know, I not for me. I wouldn't want to associate myself with Barstool Sports with Bastool. So fair Wait, enough. It's fair. Fair enough. Is that not fair? Fair enough. But as one happens to one who decides they want to be somewhat critical of Barstool on the internet, uh, people started raining swift hell on his ass, uh, chirping him from everything to wearing a mask to whatever, anything that you could possibly think of or not think of. That was the dominant were, chirp. People were throwing at him. The mask. So anyway, as one Dave Portnoy does, uh, decides that I'm going to make a video about this. I'm going to fucking tweet about it and... That's when it went from a basically a non-story to a story because that's what you do. You man, manufacture controversy or a con- <laughs> content. I just, I just uh, blended two words there, but uh, controversy. Con- content. Yeah, I was basically about because you're saying it over oh. me. I was going to say controversy. Maybe oh. that they can have that. That's going to work it. its way into the dictionary, bro. Yeah. So, so basically, what the, that, that's what they do, right? Like these guys. That's so part of their shtick is like, and and it's kind of, it gets tiring somewhat to go around and constantly play the victim when people are making legitimate criticisms. I understand why they're doing it. It's part of the business model. It really is. Like, oh, absolutely. Engage, if it equals engagement, they're going to do it. They're going to do, you know, they're going to take what this fucking guy who commentates hockey said about their business and 
look, oh, look at this asshole. Yeah. You know, I'm not the asshole. He's look at this asshole. asshole. <laughs> now all my asshole followers, go fuck with this guy. Go be asshole. That's that's probably the one part about it that I really that's really off putting and, and really seemed to prove one of Gord's points when he had he basically had to address this further because he was getting so much you hate. know he got so much hate and you know he went on to say I got a lot of positive feedback and calls, texts, whatever about this. But it's so off putting that there is this massive shit pile of losers with no fucking nothing better to do but to sit on the internet all day and wait for someone to tell them what they're shitting on that day. Yes. And, yes, and, and that's, go a, that's and, literally and go and it. And that's what it seems that there's a there's a, a disproportionate amount of people who enjoy that website, who enjoy doing that or have the time to do that. I've taken a little, a bit of step back on social media. Like I've been a little less active. I spend less time in the weeds there and reading as much. So when I saw this all, this all go down this morning, I was like, eh. Not today. I just can't. Did you? I just can't. I, just, I went like, the other for way my, for my own like my <laughs> own right like mental health and like well being. I was like, I can't. I'm not getting. I'm not waiting in the weeds. I figured the good thing we had the show tonight. I got my outlet here. I can give my two cents on it and True. what I think about it. And True. That's pretty much. I would say the gist of you know my feelings about it, and we kind of spurred the conversation before the show, so got things percolating a little bit. Yeah, and you know my so. Your biggest takeaway is exactly my biggest takeaway, and what, it was what I told you before we went to air. It's just my my level of disappointment in in in, in humanity. In humanity <laughs> is just fucking plummeting, plummeting, pummeling, plummeting, plummeting. Why can't we speak? Why can't we speak? Take a couple of weeks off and everything goes Con- shit around content here. Content traversing. And what did I just say? Pummeling instead of plummeting. At least pummeling's a word. Pummeling, is I, a word. I tried to invent a word. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, but listen. Anyway, my level of respect and my disappointment is just—it's—they're—they're they're off the charts. Okay, yeah. I, I can't. The internet's a bad place for that. It's—it's it's such a terrible place, and it's like I don't even know why I have to fucking fucking get in there sometimes too. But I have to. Sometimes I just have to get in there. And like today, it was one of those situations where like I was interested. So I did the search and I looked at, you know, other outlets that were reporting it. Like, oh, hey, if you haven't know, if you haven't noticed, check this out. This person has, you know, 800,000 followers. So you're going right into the weeds to yeah, see like just what, to see. what was going on. Where's the, where's the, bar- where's the shit barometer yeah. right now? Yeah, I was kind of interested. I was like, man, this is interesting to me on a small scale. I'm just going to take a few moments right. here and go through it. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a big chunk out of my day. I was just and kind of shocked to find well, a, I was shocked a bunch to of find, burning diapers. Like, well, there was one person in particular. I'm not even going to go there to mention the handle or whatever. If you follow me on Twitter, you can obviously see because I had a back and forth with the guy or girl, whatever. <clears throat> but there was one person that was on every single fucking outlet. Like for sure what they did was they typed in the words Gord Miller and pressed yeah. enter. I think that's and what on do, every though. single post or to, tweet that had that name in it. Had to go take a dump on take it. Take a dump on yeah. it. Copy paste. Bigot, that's racist, so, piece of so, shit, pussy, and it's like, listen, so what you are doing right now, and I don't what care. you are doing right now to Gord Miller is way fucking worse than any reason that you can give. It's just so to your doing it. It's just so fucking disrespectful, and it's just such a loser move. Like it's such I, a loser I don't care, move. I don't care what 
if it's if it's political or if it's on whatever issue of the day that people are mad on on the internet, if, you, if that's what you're doing with your time, like get a get a life, right? Get a life. Get a life. And even if you have one. And you're very you need successful. To make some improvements. Yeah, and you're very successful. Then, then figuratively, get a fucking life. Like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like Portnoy m- making a living somewhat off of being a bit of a professional troll. Oh, he's an antagonist, big time. Right? Like he, he thrives off that. He lives off that. It's yeah. Basically integrated. I'm into okay their business, with that business model. I'm okay with. But that. it's like people, people believe that uh, that emulating him is going to. Or is it going to get them somewhere? Or doing some over-the-top version of it behind some, fa- you know, nameless, no. faceless handle? At it's the opposite. At he puts his friggin' name beside his, his crap, right? Exactly. No, but that's the thing, Lesko. It, 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 that's a needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. The success that Portnoy built won't happen for you Just or for me. Di- because you're a dick, you're a on, dick the on the internet. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to work. It might get you a bunch you, of followers. You okay? probably lack the business acumen. Yeah, like it might get you a bunch of followers, I guess, if you're being, if you're doing yeah. that dry, sarcastic, always negative kind of thing. Like it worked yeah. for Baghead yeah. on Twitter. It worked for Baghead for a while, and, and people are sick of it. Yeah, like no one wants that negative energy, man. And I, I don't remember exactly what I typed to this guy. I was just like, man, you need to chill. Like you've yeah. been on every single post. You know, Dave Portnoy is not going to hire you. <laughs> you know, and he was. I don't. I can't remember what he came back with, but ultimately, it led to a, another podcast chirp. Oh yeah, I, I'd be so happy if I had a podcast with three listeners like you do. And I remember I responded. I was like, man, you hit me right in the feels. Like, you, like I don't think I'll ever recover from your attack on my personal hobby, yeah. you know? But, but it goes back to what Gord said. Like, he doesn't have to be on their show, right? You don't have to like our show. You don't, Luke Fox doesn't have to come on our show. Neither does Nick Alberga, Jake Hahn, Tyler Mataraz, like uh, Luca Caputi. You know, these guys don't have to come on our show, okay? But they did. And you know, in, in most cases, we chatted about it beforehand. Listen, are we are we are we are we hanging off on on the f bombs? Are we having a loosey goosey one here, Matthew Barnaby? Yeah, let him fly. You know, Luke Fox. Well, no, I don't really want that out there. No problem, Luke. But Chicklets isn't that kind of show, Lesko. Like, if you're going on Chicklets, you know, Biz is going to talk to you about your hog. <laughs> so there's just no way. It's kind of like going well, on Howard Stern. Not, not, you don't go I, I don't on Howard Stern. I think that's entirely accurate. Like he, w- they will, they will keep things within reason in order to yeah. have interviews. Right? You hear my point, but though, it's, right? It's like, a different. It, it's just, it's just a different type of thing. And you think about people who are in traditional media, and the culture they came up in. Just compare Barstool Sports to TSN, for example. Or to ESPN, for example. Espen. The business model is completely different. The philosophy is completely different. And they're, one of them is heavily geared towards selling. And the other one is more geared towards serving. Right? Yes. Somebody is selling you something. The other one is serving a traditional market. Yes. So they're so drastically different. And you have to... I think what... What needs to be understood and is understood by a lot of people in traditional media is that the space that the market that Barstool occupies is much more valuable than the space that traditional media occupies. I would agree. Yeah, I think, and that's I think that's obvious. why they've become this hard to ignore. You know, how can I get in on this, or how do we do better at what we do? 
based on what they've been able to do successfully. So, uh, something to add a little credence to what I'm saying is that I think it was two weeks ago, Spit and Chicklets was the number eight ranked podcast in the world. Yeah, I'm not world. talking yeah. sports, the top sports podcast. I'm talking the top podcasts yeah. on the same panel with Rogan and like and shit CNN like that. And CNN News and so shit like, like yeah, yeah. So like this is, you know, they've gotten so massive, so big. And, you know, one time they weren't even Barstool's biggest podcast. Right. So you think about what what they've been able to uh, what they've been able to achieve, it's it's nothing short of amazing. Oh, I I fully understand, respect, and admire all of that. Right. What I don't really respect and admire is the willingness to just take advantage of the worst part about the internet right manipulate it right and use it and make it explode and get everyone on board and he's gonna meme you to death and this guy's gonna come in and he's gonna attack your family on social media like come on man yeah, that's a- not right though yeah. like and i love portnoy i do i like what he does i i I think what he's done is fantastic. I'm not going to light him on fire for his, you know, rape joke 20 years ago. I'm sure there's a ton of comedians out there that could be crucified based on jokes they made that would not fly anymore today. Yeah, I think it's right? a little so different okay when you move on it's from little, that. I think it's a little different when you've ex- exploited that kind of shit and have centered a business model around it. It's kind of It's cheap. It's I it's, don't like it. It's off-putting and just and like I said, yes, you need to find ways to engage your audiences, but I just find that the whole like crying, shitting your diaper, and then deciding to essentially sick people on other people to harass other people is just—it's just stupid. You know what I mean? It just seems so child childish. It's a—it's a strange like I can understand why people didn't want to associate with him or work with him, and and why he probably struggled as hard as he did to get where he he's or get to where he's gotten to is that he can't be the most, he must be a bit of a difficult individual to work with. Come on. He obviously burned a few I bridges. Mean, if, if you take the association <laughs> of that guy away from the organization alone, you could fucking, you could plow a different path. But since he has basically made it about him yes. too, like his face, like he is the face of that organization. Yes. El right? Presidente. Yeah. So like you can't, there is no separating that's right. From that organization. And that's smart by him, and right? And I find that, you know, like, Chicklets has done a decent job of, like, maintaining, like, an arm's length type arrangement with the organization. Yeah, they don't talk about Dave on their show. Not not very much. Like, the odd met might possible mention, but, like, it's more to do with other, other hockey-ish people who work at the company. Yeah, or a yeah. bet that they laid down and Portnoy was there and yeah. the guy scored in overtime and Portnoy's not even a hockey fan, yeah. but he was cheering his ass off. But anyway, just I'm, I'm sick and tired of talking about this fucking guy. Like, it's <laughs> it's so... Just because everything is just so childish and dumb, it's like, you know, I like I said, get what he's doing, understand the business model, but it's just, it's super annoying. And, like, I don't spend time, like, I don't follow much outside of Chicklets or, like... I don't never never go to their website or anything like that, so I'm pretty removed from from how that place operates. Yeah, but every once in a while it gets thrust into here when like there's something involved with hockey. More recently, it was the whole 
uh, the whole shit about the NWHL they were getting into a yes. feud with them. Yes. Same sort of thing, though. Building, you know, playing the victim card, building a whole brouhaha, making it into a story, making it into a bigger story than it might uh, might not have been otherwise. Like, man, the guy should run for president because he could do what it takes. He could he could basically, basically emulate the, the, the Trump strategy it's, and it's, just get everyone employs, against each other. He employs a much, diff- <laughs> a much similar strategy online. For All right, sure. well, listen, let's get back into some good stuff. Oh, before we head on, because I wanted to segue – you know, we're talking about all the badness of social media and how terrible it is. Sometimes it's great, all right? And I want to throw back to your Disney deal, the Espen Disney deal. And what was great about Twitter was how badly Gary Thorne was trending. Gary Thorne was trending like top 10 in America when that when the news dropped. I forgot to bring that up earlier when you were talking about the ESPN yeah, deal. Yeah, so I met... Uh, I would love to see him come back, man. It'd be interesting if they brought him back. And I Also, they, do you want a beer? Yes, I do. I know they brought they brought up a few few names from the old broadcast that uh, I guess, you know, audiences or people seem to be interested in, in having come back. I have a Sleeman Clear point 2.0 and a Triple Bogey. What's a 2.0 I think you should have a Triple Bogey because Why? It, cause it's green. Oh, because it's green. Yeah, and you don't have anything green on, so okay. that's your punishment. It's not like it's some mad dark beer, like no, no. It's just I a. It's I. I'm. I'm fairly certain it's just a standard beer. Right. Well, uh, they sell out. it. It's called Triple Bogey. I mean, obviously, it's a golf course beer. Cheers, my friend. Happy St. Patty's Day. Yeah, I guess we got as if it's St. Patty's. We're recording an M episode. We just cracked a beer now. What are we an hour in? Right yeah, now? we're forty-seven minutes Jesus. in. <laughs> Haven't cracked a beer. I could have well, used, used, used a beer when you were talking about insurance and home offices, <laughs> man. Holy fuck! Yeah, but come on, I wasn't talking about it. I was discussing it with you. I wanted to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got past that. Uh, coaching changes been a shitload. Ottawa mm. just picking off coaches left and right. Is Ottawa Ottawa's have, the coach does killer. Ottawa have that bad of a rap right now that they, they get painted with that brush? No, you want to know what I think or it is? Or is it just coincidence? No, I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's I think it's I think it's some coincidence and some holy shit. If these guys are nowhere, you know, nowhere good, everyone says they're terrible. Oh yeah, they're they're okay, they're rebuilding. Well then what are we? If we can't even come out and skate with those fucking guys, then what are we? Well, could you imagine the Maple Leafs who have lost to Ottawa twice, I believe, this year? <laughs> I feel like it's three. It could be. Or maybe it's only two. I see. Like, I black out some losses from my memory, so I forgive I, me if I don't know the exact number. Bro, I expect to lose to them. Straight up. Hey. Straight up. Hey, I, we're, we're longtime Maple Leaf fans. We know that they could lose at any time. So. No, but I get that. But I expect them to lose to Ottawa because it's just it's one of those fucking things. And the Ottawa Senators play us so hard. Hey, Ottawa. So hard. Like, before we get into coaches, and, and we'll stick on the top of Ottawa for a moment. But Ottawa is a fascinating story this year. Not just in that we've seen some growth out of some players. Brady Kachuk having a good year. Drake Batherson really putting himself on the map there. Mm-hmm, uh, Josh mm-hmm. Norris. Uh, Stutzla, of course, having a good year. But, man, Ottawa has been getting absolutely crushed by Edmonton, right? Where they 0-6 or something or 0-7 right. against Ottawa. Last mm-hmm. I checked, and this is this is a few days old, but they were 9-6 and against the rest of the league. Right. The rest of the division, sorry. And then they beat up on Ottawa all the time, right? 
Or sorry, you were or sorry, you were saying overall. I'm talking about Ottawa. Ottawa oh, oh. has a losing record, 0 and 7 against Edmonton or 0 and 6 or whatever. Oh, it was. but but they're <laughs> 9 and 6 against the rest of the league. So Ottawa, <laughs> for some reason, they're kryptonite. They just can't. They, maybe it's a, a, a testament to what their goaltending is has been like, and maybe their inability to defend McDavid well, and Drysaddle and consistency because as well, you've seen right? the numbers those guys put up against Ottawa, and it's just ludicrous. Yeah, but then why can't we do that? Well, we have all that. We have that talent we, as well. Exactly, we do. We do have it, but right. There's, there's but no, I, there's no interchangeable explanation for why that wouldn't be happening. But I'm telling you, man, and it, it, it's an age-old thing with sports. Okay, you play up and down to your opponent, right? So if the opponent is the best in the league, you're playing a great yeah. game that day. And and that, and, 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 and that always happens against Ottawa for some reason. Yeah, right. You're I, the worst in the league, and that, and, and that's been happening like. Not just this season. It's been happening for a couple of years against Ottawa. Oh, yes. Like a couple of those games we went to when they were horrible uh, that year, 2019, I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. And, dude, even you know, further to that, back when the, when the script was flipped and Ottawa was fantastic and we weren't so great, that's when we would beat their ass. We'd yeah. be in the barn. Sneak one out in a shootout or yeah, something. Yeah, you know, they're the James best. James Reimer like, would play really <laughs> yeah. well. Dude, at one point, Reimer was like, eight, no. Reimer was like 8-0 yeah. no yeah, in, in Ottawa. Ottawa. Right? Yeah, yeah, their number there. Yeah, really it was one of those things. And I think especially more so with hockey and like other sports fans can prove me wrong because obviously I follow hockey much, much closer than any other sport. But I just feel like it's one of those things, man, where you just have their number, like you just said. And many years ago, when when uh, when the Detroit Red Wings were a perennial cup threat, they couldn't beat the lowly Predators to save their lives. Yeah. The Nashville Predators would roll into town, expansion team, nothing going for them whatsoever, and squeak out a 3-2 three, three, victory over the Detroit Red Wings. And it's yeah. just like, what the fuck? Then the Red Wings would go on a 12-game winning streak after that, but they couldn't get past the Preds. And it was really strange. And I think that that's you know, developing between our provincial rivals. Whoever's at the top seems to struggle with the other team. I'd love to see a, a moment where both of our teams are quite competitive and, you know, every single time we play each other, both team expects to win. I think there's a good chance of that happening in the next few years given the, what's going on in Ottawa and we're seeing a bit of progress. And I think one of the biggest differences for them is that they weren't getting the goaltending earlier in the year. Oh, it was That trash. so much is uh, stabilized. I know Murray's been a bit better and. They're getting some decent goaltending out of uh, that call. What, his first NHL win against the Leafs? I know, of course. Of, of course. course. <laughs> Saturday night, you're damn right. Like That's a, that's a great time to get like, your first win. It's like so in Co a strange turn of events, Matt Murray won't play tonight. It's going to be Joey Decord coming in, yeah. unscheduled start. I'm immediately messaging my buddies. I'm like, well, I might as well just go to bed. Yeah, that's, like, this game's over. Chalk it up. It's an L. We'll mm -hmm. go to bed. <laughs> sure yeah. enough, fucking L. Two, two goals in four seconds against Hutchinson. Gets yeah. the ball. Like, Hutchinson oh, back boy. to Hutchinson. Um, yeah. No Coaching kidding. changes, though, to cycle it back before we get all deep in the Leafs. Most surprising one? What do you say? Uh, well, obviously not Buffalo. No, that was the... And we'll get to them. I think it might be Montreal. Yeah, I, I've got to go with Montreal as well. But it's they not lost, much more surprising lost, than Calgary. They lost three games in a row. Yeah, I, yeah, yes. Okay, good. That's they what. Lost and, three and it games was after in a, row, a win. And they just just fallen out of second place in the division. And it was just after a win. And I understand. Okay, <laughs> there. And and you have to look at this if you're Bergevin too. Like it, it leads me to believe that 
this, there was a not a good dynamic in the dressing room. And I think that's a, a, the case a lot of the time when coaches get fired. Because I think there's less of a, all right, we're tired here. I mean, look what, look what they accomplished uh, in the bubble, right? They went on a half-decent run there, like better than anyone expected for a team that really wouldn't have made the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think you're right, man. I think with any team sport, it comes down to what is the message, like how is the message being received? Is it being received at all? Right. And there comes a point in time where it's just not being received at all. We we have seen it several times, Lesko, as Leaf fans. We've went through it on several occasions. Now, to be completely fair to some coaches that came and went before Mike Babcock, the team wasn't great anyways. So it was always just an out. You know, blame the fucking coach. He doesn't. He can't get the guys going. Kessel is uncoachable yeah. or whatever you want to call it, right? But then when we got into the Babcock situation, we did have a great fucking team. It wasn't being utilized perfect, like to, to the way that we thought it should be. Now, we're not fucking coaches, yeah. but guess what? Neither is Mike Babcock there anymore. Had to been, there <laughs> had to have been something wrong in that dressing room, I think, for them to make that change and, and perhaps even something driven at the player level. Uh, it was interesting as well that they, what did they, fire a goalie coach halfway through a game too? Which yeah. Pretty unprofessional last I checked. In the second period. Leads you to believe that there was something going on there. Of course, they're not going to tell us that. And they denied that there was anything related to the coach or whatever. I know Bergeron said that they talked about it, but didn't talk about that. Well, and firing him specifically. So whatever that means. Yeah, and Price said that no no one told him that they were firing him. Yeah, so which makes, is also interesting. Leads you to believe that it's not that planned, and either that or they felt perhaps they were going to get pushback from Carey Price. But uh, I, I don't know. You, I, it's not like there's been a noticeable change in Montreal since then. I haven't watched them enough to say. Uh, I think they're continuing to perform and right around the same as we expected. And. And that's it. I mean, I, I, I really, other than that, that's why it was surprising me because I feel like if you can avoid a coaching change midseason, then that's the best way to go about things. So it might have been a little less performance-based and a little more culture, room dynamic-based. And you, we do know that, you know, Claude Julien is a bit more one of those old-school coaches. So it just might be a bit of a change in philosophy and wanting to go in a different direction. Other than that, I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, here, here's one thing. It, I think maybe what I might put my – I might put my chips in the fact that they need to make the playoffs this year. And, I mean, every team's going to say that, right? Every team that's in, the, in a race is going to say that. But it's hard to argue with it if it works, right? We all know this. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and we, we will see. We will see. Let's go if it works. But at this point, they're going to be fighting. They, I, I guess so. But they're like, going to be fighting. Are with we going to say if they make the playoffs, it worked? Because well, like, were they not on track to make the playoffs anyway? And it was so early. That's I guess that's the weird thing about it. You know, now that I think about it more, the Flames one might be more surprising just because they re-upped on Jeff Ward after the season, right? And they brought him into replace Bill Peters and yes. you think, okay, review period was good. We're happy with you. Give you another shot. And then the goal, it's amazing too. Like how many goalies do you think get coaches fired? It's always because Markstrom went cold as hell and Riddick buoyed them for a couple of games. He played really well against the Maple Leafs. Yes. And then he took a dump too. <laughs> and then all of a sudden 
they lost, you know, a, a bunch in a row. Coach is gone. And, and, you know, it might also just be the leashes are shorter in the shortened season in that, okay, we if we see an issue in this, we it's the easiest one to address. It's one of the reasons why I think a lot of teams go to firing the coach in order to shake things up. They probably just say, hey, we don't have a lot of time here. Yeah. So this is the quickest, easiest move we can make to shake things up. And and unfortunately for the coaches, sometimes it's more to do with the players and waking their asses up. Yeah, but it's that age-old adage, though, isn't it, man? Show me a bad goalie and I'll show you a bad coach, or vice versa. Show me a bad coach, I'll show you a bad goalie. Right? It's it, They go hand in hand. No great coach in the world is dealing with shitty goaltending. Right? Find me a great coach. The team is doing fantastically well. He could be up for the Jack Adams, but his goaltending is at uh, 872 save percentage. Yeah. No, they're in last place. Well, it goes to show you <laughs> how much a good goaltending can can mask warts. It can yes. cover up poor play. It can cover up. Poor, it can win it can, cups. It can get you past, <laughs> you know, maybe not being the most popular person in the world. See Mike Babcock. Uh, it can keep you in the league a lot longer than perhaps you deserve to be based on, you know, more than just the on-ice product or the uh, the results. But, uh, you know, sports is a results-driven business. Yeah. Always kind of has been. Um, probably not more until recently that people are t- uh, looking at a more broad picture and more, I think, at leadership qualities mm-hmm. than well, X's and O's and, and what, and what is working on the ice necessarily. Well, I mean, look at the Islanders too, man. Like, you think they're out there running up and down the ice trying to shoot out in the alley? Like, no. Mm-hmm. And no. I think that's a team that, that uh, you know, a, a bad coach or a coach that isn't suited to or isn't uh, deploying the right system wouldn't work. You know, like maybe maybe they're not a playoff team if they have a coach that's trying to get them to play a, a more porous defensive style or yeah, but a that's a risky in, style of play. Let me push back slightly on you on that one, though, because he came from Washington. Yeah, but right. How did Washington win the Stanley Cup? Okay, fair enough. But what? How what, did they finally go deep? Yeah, they attention. were keeping more pucks out attention. of there. You know, attention. Four guys back. Like <laughs> yeah, you're like right. That. You're so right. I'll throw a stat here you're before right. we get into the Sabers real quick. Uh, the Sabers had oh, a. God, f- the Sabres. This is just before they fired their coach. They had a 45.5% expected goals for percentage coupled with an 0.864 save percentage at five and on five. Not good enough, obviously. Kyra Hutton and uh, Olmark, who showed some promise, but I, I, I don't know what you do playing goalie for that team. That's just tough sledding. I don't know what you do playing for that team at all. Right. Yeah. That's why Eichel's on the shelf. Yeah, I'm I injured. Guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm hurt. hurt. Yeah, I'm, I'm hurt. Here. I'm going to Cabo. See you later. <laughs> I fucking dropped a sledgehammer on my foot. Just got my vaccine. I'm taking a jet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Canucks, though. Here's the Canucks. So remember oh, what I said about Buffalo. Jack. The Canucks, 39.7% expected goals for percentage. Okay. So significantly lower than Buffalo. Worse. What does that mean in English? It j- basically means the that other team's gonna the, score share, two. the share of uh, scoring chances. Oh, so the other team's going to score two goals before you get one. Right. So, yeah. So, 
that Canucks 39.7% expected goals for percentage is coupled with a 0.955 save percentage at five on five. Yeah, so that I can get on board with. That's so, just fantastic. And we're here, we're talking about, you're, you're listening to the talk around the Vancouver Canucks right now, and it's, oh, you know what? These guys could scrap their way into a playoff spot. Like, these guys could be right there battling with Edmonton and Calgary. and Not if Demko like isn't on his, ma- on his head. That's right, and they you know, smartly now are rolling with Demko because he's masked the warts. He masked Jim Benning's errors and, and the deficiencies of that hockey club. But until it I doesn't. Mean, we, we've already talked about Vancouver. They're a worse team this year on paper and on the ice than they were last year. Yes. But Demko's one step further along in his development. Yes. And he showed glimmers of this last year uh, during their run. Yeah. Now, I mean, they've got a ton of games played. All right. They've got 32 games played. Compared to you know teams that they are chasing like Calgary, Montreal, twenty nine and twenty eight games respectively, um, Winnipeg clicking right up there. You know four points back of the Leafs with two games in hand. You know our, our recent slide for the Leafs really brought us brought us down to reality. Things really started to tighten up. Maybe we'll get a little into the standings uh, later on or, or in future episodes as we get closer to playoffs. But yeah, I mean back to the Canucks. Overall, a losing effort, 14-18 and 18 when you look at their total record, 14-16-2. But, yeah, the only reason why they're even hanging in is because of Demko. Demko. If yeah. he wasn't there, God damn it, Lesko, they'd be right down with Ottawa. Yeah. And, and, and the Leafs, Jets, Oilers, Canadians, Flames, they would have feasted even more so on the Vancouver Canucks than they may have already yeah. done in the season. You got the one thing you definitely can say about a goaltender who's giving you those kind of numbers is that they give you a chance to win every game and they steal you games and we're seeing that right now with Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I you know who really wants to steal a game? Of course, the Buffalo Sabers. I believe they're winless in nine or ten now. Right now, like they're oh god, the no, it's biggest, twelve. The biggest cooler you've ever. They seen. fired him after twelve. It's twelve. Yeah, so that. They're on track for one of their worst seasons ever, believe it or not. Dude, they based are based on points, points percentage. They are and, worse, and than that's they were. worse than the the year they tanked for McDavid. <laughs> I was just gonna say they're worse now than they were like f- four, five, six years ago. And the saddest part about that is that they <laughs> took a swing. They they were trying to go for it. Now I don't know if they deluded themselves into thinking they're better than they were. I believe there was a clip uh, when they were that they had released uh, of them talking about signing Taylor Hall. And somebody said, oh, if, if we get this guy, then we're a cup contender. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that didn't age well. So what do you do if you are Kevin Adams? Because you took a risk. You brought in Taylor Hall. You put your chips on the table and saying, okay, we're, we're going this way. We're going this way. But listen, it's still a good thing. Okay, it's still a good thing. It's still a good thing that we're able, they were able to get him. All it did was cost the Pagulas money, right? And we all know that the Pagulas got money, right? So okay, they brought Taylor Hall in. They took a swing. It didn't work out. It was high risk, zero, or sorry, it was low risk, high reward, right? Low risk because yes, it cost us money, but, but it's, I a wiped my ass. it's a one it's year a one deal. It's a one year deal, and if it's not working out, we can probably move him. 
and we can recoup even better futures if we retain salary and we can assume that if it's not going well that we're okay with retaining salary yeah. because it's only for one year so this situation can still end in a positive way as much as you or anyone else wants to paint it as a negative way i'm not saying you are but it, you know you look at it at, you look at it at its face value as a very negative thing okay they took the thing and it missed and it was just a garbage scenario but what if it's not like, what if they move Hall out somewhere and they get a couple of great pieces and those great pieces turn into lifelong sabers? And we yeah. look back, you know, we look back on this terrible stretch of time for them and say, you know, it started with this and it started with that. And, and then the Taylor Hall trade, which we I thought think, was a joke, then they turned them into some futures. I like, think they're gonna, we'll it's going to take a lot more than just a Taylor Hall trade yeah, for I them know. To, I know. to make some progress in the right direction. And uh, I, I was joking when I, I pumped up the episode on Twitter earlier about our annual check-in with the Buffalo Sabres because <laughs> we have this conversation every single year. And we didn't even actually have one about are they for real. I think we did have a uh, preseason what do you think about them buy or sell kind of thing here. And I know we, we had you know show me something first kind of attitudes. like We weren't like very high on them. And, of course, they've confirmed our, our beliefs that they have basically – they've defied hockey to me at this point. And I don't know, does that have something to do with Jeff Skinner getting scratched and playing fourth line? I don't know. I mean, a guy you're paying that much money should be playing hockey, I was, probably. I, I was, I was going to use this opportunity, and again, perfect natural segue by you, my friend. Right back at it here after three weeks. Pucks and D podcast, thanks for joining us again. For me, dude, the person that will benefit the most from this is Jeffrey Skinner. End of story. Just because you think it's it's a, maybe a factor as to why he got fired? Or it's just like, what do you have to lose? Like, you need to get something out of this guy. Play him. I understand that the effort levels and all that stuff, okay, you can give me all the reasons in the world. And that's not just him, okay? No, it's the whole that, team. That team, and, and I could go further into this, I guess, and I'm going to try not to go too deep here, but losing culture has to be an issue there. You have so many guys, core of that team, dudes who have been there even longer than Eichel, who all they know is not just losing, but in like basement losing year after year without any progress despite talented players coming in. Yeah, being the worst. Being the absolute worst mm -hmm. from opening night mm -hmm. until the end of the season when you can finally zip up your bag and fucking get out of here. Like, I can remember one time, well, we've been doing this podcast for three years, one time where I think they rattle off 10 straight and it was the only time I can recall them even being in a playoff spot. Wasn't it early in the in year? In like several years. I feel like it was, it was early, early in the season. In the it was season. like November and we're like, oh shit, Buffalo, Sabres are for real. Buffalo for real? Like, I don't know. Oh my God, dude. You're right. It was the first time we had Mataraz on the show and I asked Mataraz, are the Buffalo Sabres for real? And yeah. his answer was no. I believe we asked him before <laughs> the season what he thought about it just because of that throwback. So <laughs> Right? It's crazy. But no, as it relates to my Skinner point, Lesko, I think it's mostly due to the fact that whomever is coming in, and I know they've already named him. Do you have it in front of you? I don't know who it is that's coming in. Don Donato? Uh, uh, the lesser known. Gr Granado. Granado? Oh, Don. <laughs> Don Granado. No, come on. That one's acceptable because his name is Don. 
His name's Don Granado. Yeah, but you blended the two. I know, but it's not as bad as plumbling or oh, whatever the fuck pretty, I said. It's close to it's <laughs> it's close to co- content reversal. Con- yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that might be the title things. of the episode. Yeah. We'll have to see. But anyways, yeah, I think whomever comes in, uh, Donato Granado. I did it again. Granado, when he comes in, he's gonna have to try different things, and 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 part of that different style is going to be putting the lines in the blender. Yeah. yeah, you don't have Eichel there anymore, and that's unfortunate, but you do have some skill up there. And I don't watch a ton of Sabres games. I mean, I'd rather watch my hair grow. Mm-hmm. But like from what I hear from people on socials and, and on you know NHL radio, which I listen to on a daily basis, um, th- there are stretches of times when the Sabres really do play quite great. They play great hockey. They control the play. It's looking like a great team. Then all of a sudden, it goes away. It never comes back. Yeah, never heard about so that. So there, there's but... talent there. There's talent there. There's definitely talent there. Nobody, Skinner nobody is, denies that. Skinner is a part of that. Nobody is... denies talent. They got, if, if arguably got more talented this year. That's why it's so baffling. Yeah. But like as much as you can tell me that you don't like the effort and it's dog shit and in the practices and all that stuff, that's fine and well. But you've got a player that's getting paid, you know, Top six minutes for sure. Top six salary. He should be getting top six minutes. Just getting you gotta top line give salary. Him, you got to give him some opportunity to get out of it. You can't just keep playing him nine and a half minutes on yeah. the fourth line and then be like, well, look at fucking give him an old Sam you Mitchell you stat line. You can't expect anything to change. How right? is he supposed to score with yeah. Curtis? He's trying to set up Curtis Lazar. No offense to Curtis Lazar. But yeah. like, how are you supposed to get any points? How are you supposed to get fat playing nine minutes with Curtis Lazar? Man, you got to give this guy an opportunity. So I do think yeah. that we will see... You know, we're going to see that classic uptick. You know, the new guy comes in, the team responds, the team feels, you know, partially responsible for getting the coach fired. So we always see, like, the first few games of the new coach, we see a a better version of play. I bet you any money, man, Skinner rattles off a few Genos in that time. You you have to think he's going to get the opportunity, but... I might pick him up in fantasy. For it to be that bad, like, that bad, you got to figure that there's, there's more to it and that there was some merit to the coach having him there because, it, it, like I said, it's, it's just so hard to conceive a guy making that kind of money getting that kind of ice time. Like, is, is it really – and getting scratched? Like, he's really that fucking bad? Like, is it – that is the effort level that dismally bad compared to the rest of the guys? And I know they got some younger, hungrier players. Right. You know, one of the beneficiaries of the Eichel injury is, is Cousins. Cousins is playing right. high up in their lineup. I think he's been playing first line, so. Yeah, but you don't think Dylan Cousins – There's a positive story for you, you. You don't think Dylan Cousins is aware of the dysfunctional reality of where he is, though? Oh, I'm sure. Even he though is. he's young and he doesn't have the experience in the league, like they have a lot of players on that roster that have been around for a long time, right? Like a lot of those guys are aware of what it takes to win in the NHL, and they're just not willing to do it right now, and that's bad. Like that's a really yeah, bad. And culture. I think it's that losing culture of being like being so used to being out of it by midway through the year. You know, <laughs> by like, midway oh, through October, it's, <laughs> it's right around that time. You know, where I I start mailing it in and start booking golf trips for the summer and yeah. Yeah, just looking forward I guess, to it. I guess. I, I Honestly, dude, I, I have to say this as a Leaf fan too. Not that I know everything about ownership and what goes on behind the scenes and stuff, but what I can say is that as a Leaf fan, both in my mind and in reality, because hindsight's twenty twenty, as we all say, both in my mind at the time and in reality now looking back, the Leafs began to turn a corner when we had ownership changes. 
And then we had upper level management changes, yeah. and then that trickled down. It took down. a while. It took a while, but it trickled down. But I mean, the Pacuas owned this team for a decade. I now, know, right? but I wonder if it's if it's ownership related, man. Well, that, and that's a lot of the speculation is talking about the excessive amount of involvement they have yeah. in hockey ops. When let's be honest, like you can't just transplant yourself. Like I don't care how successful you are at anything. You're not just going to plop yourself down and tell someone how to run a sports organization. No, but like, dude, the only two times in the world where you know the name of the owner is when it is exceptionally good or really fucking bad. All right? There's no middle owners that people know about. The teams that, you know, make the playoffs all the time. And they made the conference final. Oh, yeah, well, and they, they, they're no run by a board. They're run by a board. They're run like a real company. They're run successfully. Instead of a pet project. Then there's the guys that's the, the problem. They run it like a pet project. They run it like, yes. oh, I, I, I really they think this is awesome. And, like, it's good that you're really passionate about it. But if you're so passionate that you're sitting in on the day-to-day meetings with the GM, that might be a little intrusive and... I mean, you can find that with any company. You can find that with a small business where the owner doesn't know what's going on in the operation side of the business. Right, of course. So it's just, it's it's crazy to me that that these people, you must think really highly of yourself. You can just plop yourself down in a NHL boardroom and, and start lobbing grenades around and think you know what you're doing. <laughs> I have to ask you, because I heard it earlier today while I was doing the dishes up here after dinner for uh, overdrive, or before dinner, I should say. Um <laughs> Come on, do you think Mike Babcock ends up over there? <laughs> you is know, it even possible? I, and I, the reason it could be possible is because Kevin Adams is not a young pup, okay? Like, he's an older guy. An he's old not school like, player. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got the Pagoulas there, and and they tried to get Mike. They did. They tried very hard. I, yeah. So And it was the Pagoulas then, you know? I, so. I did give that some thought. And Leafs would have to sign off. I thought... And the, well, that's one thing. Knowing they're going back to the division, do they want to deal with Babcock and even I'd the storylines that go with it? I'd say bring it. And and uh, they seem like that kind of organization too. They're not going to hold anybody back if if it comes down to it. But from a like a purely like hockey coach fit standpoint, it made some sense to me. And I'll tell you why. And now this is putting aside all what we'll, we'll get into right after this, and why Mike Babcock is unhirable. Otherwise, <laughs> but from a pure hockey fit standpoint, this this could be what they need a str- like a structured, respected man. Now I should put that in quotations. Respected, yeah, yeah, yeah. But respected for, uh, for hockey brilliance, hockey, hockey mind, somebody who can write the ship and and teach about winning culture. Because you bring in all these rookie coaches and it's not the same respect and lust. I mean, look at the Flames. They just went and got Daryl Sutter. Fucking people are laughing, but Daryl Sutter has all he's done is win. 3 0. All he's done is win. If you look at his winning percentage, he only has one team that in his whole hit coaching career that didn't make the playoffs. That's so impressive. Like, you look at the stats on this guy and you look at the cups and you look what he's able to do, it's hard to argue with that. And if you want that regimented restructure from a coach, an old school coach that demands respect, that might be what they need instead of going with ex-soccer coaches and and, and rookie coaches and things like that. I mean, they brought in Dan Bosma, but even Dan Bosma at the time wasn't that experienced. Yes, he had rattled off some cups 
with Pittsburgh, and made, but he took a great team and, and, and brought them to success instead of a fringe team or a dumpster fire team and said, okay, I'm going to... New system. I'm going to stack the blocks here yeah. and figure out if they go together. X's or not. and O's guy. Right. 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 They so don't need an X's and O's we guy. We saw Mike Babcock bring the Leafs to a respectable hockey team in a short period of time. We saw Mike Babcock bring a new atmosphere. Right. A, a different culture. And where I will agree with you, perhaps grudgingly, but I will agree with you that it could be a fit because at this point in time it is completely off the rails yeah it's completely off the rails dude they have missed the entire cycle of sports Mm -hmm. they have missed the entire cycle of sports and that's where we were i don't know we missed an entire cycle of sports we should have been at the top and then come back down to the ground but we just stayed on the ground the whole fucking time then we started changing things up we we started becoming more of a serious organization more professional there was a lot of accountability Mm-hmm. And that's the word I was kind of half expecting you to use when you when you explained your reasoning for Babcock being a fit. For me, it would start and end with the letter A, accountability. Because while Babcock kind of toyed with that word later on in his leaf career, early in his leaf career, that's what it was all about. If you're yeah. going to come here and wear this jersey, we know you're not going to be here for a very long time. We all know we're rebuilding. Hell, we all know we're probably going to trade all you bastards yeah. this year, well, he, but you're going to play with accountability yeah. on this team. And that right now is what the Sabres need. Yeah, they just uh, they really need structure. And if they can find someone who can kind of instill that and, and just turn the page and Fuck, that's a tall task, and and you know, a guy like Babcock might not even want it. I was just gonna ask you who wants the job, but you got to think Babcock's angling for something because he's popping up everywhere lately. Uh, you know, I I don't know if you caught the, the post game interview or they played it after the Leafs game where Christine Simpson on Sportsnet had interviewed him. Oh, I did not. And, no, uh, it was it was interesting. It was something. <laughs> Uh, was it another uh, well, it was media a, tour? Well, it was very much part the of the apology tour. tour? She gave or him, apology tour. She gave him some tough questions, and in typical Babcock fashion, he said a lot without fucking saying much of anything. And not well, you know, listen, that questions. was real tough for Mike yeah, Babcock. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Just that, and that man, that right there, that's what I want to talk about. Him talking if, about himself in the third you person? you talk about yourself <laughs> in the third person, is that not the guaranteed... Psychopath tell of a complete asshole a psychopath like trump does that <laughs> tremendously tremendously big okay like that anyone little trump is so big anyone who does that <laughs> you're an asshole i don't like and you're a psychopath like, he does it all the time man the, yeah. he does it all the time when i when i ask the players to come in i ask them to come in and play like Mike Babcock rules, okay? And that's good for Mike Babcock. Anything yeah. that's good for Mike Babcock is like, good for what, my family. How, what level, and I could, maybe because <laughs> it's unfathomable to me because I don't even know what level of ego it takes to say that without, sh- like, shuddering to yourself. Here's the only appropriate time to use it. When you're saying something like... Uh, you you were a member of the team and you need the Adam Lescos and the Josh Colemans of the team. Right. When I'm you're describing using yourself as an example. Yeah, using myself as an Not example. Not just referring to yourself. As myself. Yeah. No, that's so lame. Oh, ugh. Like, it, if, it, kill me if, if you ever hear me do what Mike Bauha does and refer myself that way. Ugh, just kill me. 
I, oh, if Adam Lesko ever starts talking about Adam Lesko like he's not Adam Lesko, yeah. I want you to kill Adam Just Lesko. Kill me. <laughs> like, oh, it's it's gross. It's pretty cringy. Yeah, but anyway, he did it's a bunch of cringy. that, and and it uh, he he was on the Cam and Strike podcast. I thought was interesting as well, and he he had, they actually hammered him on on Commodore, you know, which was interesting to hear them bring up, and it was basically the same answer. I believe he's given on other occasions, and oh, it's the NHL, the National Hockey League, and you're not good enough in the NHL, then you're just not playing. <laughs> basically, like summed it up like that. Like there wasn't anything more to it, you know. Like basically the same answer you give if you still coaching the team. Yeah, and it was the same answer he gave about Jason Spezza. Look, it was all about the penalty kill. Okay, it was all yeah. about the kill. It had nothing just, to do with Spets being from uh, Ottawa or yeah. Out give me like, like there's a pattern of this crap, dude. Like we're not stupid. Like we're not that's stupid. the other. We and, were stupid, and, and but we're like, not stupid. Well, there's just I think <laughs> it's like people like him really think their audience and the people listening to him talk are stupid. He's duping everyone. Well, he's right? trying. He's, he's trying his hardest, and I think it's. I don't think it's working. Like, I don't think it's gaining traction. And, and you look at the way he's been pushed by some of these journalists who honestly did not push him whatsoever while he was in During Toronto. his time, yeah. You know, like, did not – nobody questioned anything, I think, uh, like, for a second. No one, whatever he said was gospel. It was. He and was and the it coach was just, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Exactly. And it was also just like, we haven't had a, a big league coach here in a while, so, yeah. like, show us bring the way. Bring it on. Right? Yeah, bring it on. So, and you know what, dude? Further to that point, man, I think – Looking back on it now and the way he went down and the way he went down with his fucking fist in the air being like, I'm going down, I'm taking everyone with me, you know? I think he thought back when he took the job and Shanny was there, I think he thought that he would kind of run the show. And I imagine he did for a while. Like his influence level definitely dwindled once Dubas took over. And well, he, Dubas was already he, there, right? You, but he wasn't. Well, when he took over. Yeah. Because yeah. you can see in the interview that Babcock had where he said like, oh, I knew I was getting fired uh, uh, as soon as Lou was gone. Like, okay, Mike. Like, like really That's though? horseshit. That's, that's horseshit. You had every chance to succeed there. Yeah, they, gave you, they gave you a year and a bit. You know, you fired yourself. Well, essentially, yeah. At the end of the day, like, so there's no way he can blame it on anyone else, and that's such a that goes hand in hand with the referring to yourself in third person personality <laughs> deficiency. There, like, Dude. that you again. We, it goes back to our earlier discussion about making yourself into the victim. Yes, in a situation yes. where you are not at all the victim. You are not. You're just fucking. You're, you're the just, opposite of the victim, and it's it's just mad spin, and I don't. I know he's trying to do something. He's trying to accomplish something. He's trying to clear himself up a little bit here. Yeah. But I just don't. I ain't buying it. No. It's kind of similar to, what is that called? Uh, what about-ism? Yeah. When you're like, oh, well, I'm wrong, and you're coming after me, but I'm going to deflect. Yeah. I'm going to, well, well, what about this? And what about and that? Babcock did like, a bit of that because he was like, basically like, oh, well, Dubas came in. I knew I was fired. It's so it's, it's, you wasn't know, my fault. Foregone conclusion. Foregone Doesn't conclusion. matter how well I did. I was gone. <laughs> well, like you, that's not true. But if, you could have played Matthews they, more than sixteen minutes. Exactly. Like there's <laughs> there's no addressing the the burning questions of like it, it wasn't just about you being a dick, Mike. It, there was legitimate decisions that you made about personnel decisions that were wrong. You put the fourth line on every it was time. Wrong. So every like, time we got scored on or they scored, you put you the fourth know, line on. I feel like a big life of this podcast has been spent bitching about this stuff. So <laughs> we'll, listen, we'll take la- a slide. Last out. one before we move on. I it just came across my mind as we were talking about this. How badly would you love just one one hour or half an hour of 
completely truthful, bro-to-bro interaction and conversation with Kyle Dubas on this topic. Hey, Kyle, I'd like to talk to you about the whole Babcock thing. I would just like and to know... You, that and you know that he, like, he's on truth serum or something, and he has to tell you the truth. I it would, would be so cool to listen to that and be the, like, how was that? It, the, just the dynamic, the, the relationship, because yeah. it seemed that there were at, they were at odds... Every time, and it was it was known like it was known that like hey there seems to be a sniff of something here because he went out and got my Jake Muzzin and Babcock bitches about his handedness. Yeah, he goes and gets Jason Spezza, he scratches Scratch. him game one. Yeah. Like this is like a little bit of like, oh yeah, I didn't want this guy, so go fuck yourself. Go like, fuck yourself. Come yeah. on, man. Like it's that's when you're putting your own petty bullshit ahead of the best interests of the hockey club. Yeah, and. That's, and- that's that's where you really lose me. And for because us, it's yeah, called you're a, losing us. It's called a team for a reason, man. You're and losing it, us. And I don't care who you are, coach, captain, GM, you're still a team at the end of the day. So if you can't you know, shed your ego at the door and do what's best for the team, then nobody should want you. See, and it's funny that we're talking about this now because now is the exact moment as we sit here just before 10 o'clock p.m. on March 17th, 2021, Now is the time where I want Kyle Dubas to be selfish, put himself and his buddy Sheldon in front of the team and win with the team, make a deal that puts us over the top. We already have a pretty solid path carved out to the conference finals, which is a one seven game series against some team from the States to go to the cup, bro. This is the time. And this is the time now where you just talked about Babcock putting himself for the team. I was going to say to you that that's, why I, that's what I love about Dubas. I love Dubas because he seems to make the moves that are the best for the team, not certain players that play a certain way. And you know what I mean? Like he's, he's not blinded or... Well, I think he understands the nuances of what, what needs are and what needs to be addressed and because he, he has a good way of analyzing problems and how to solve them. Yeah, and he's got, the, he's got Brandon Pridham there and he's got... Uh, who's his cap guy again? I'm, I'm blanking right now. That's Pridham and the other guy's Lawrence Gilman. Lawrence Gilman, yeah. yeah. So he's got guys there to help him you know, figure out the cap. But overall, I feel like what he is doing is for the future. And now is a time where I would like to see him mortgage the future for the now. Like to the point, let's go, where I am literally becoming impatient. We have two games this week and we have two games next week. The trade should have been made yesterday. Yeah. And and that's always hard to pull off and I'm sure, you know, he could be chomping at the bit to make one for all we know and, and there's been a lot of speculation that he might but I, I wasn't quite on board with the the you know start sending assets out the door to make a run necessarily this year. But why not? I, I did write. I no. I like I said. I wasn't on board at first. Oh. But I actually read Myrtle's piece in the Athletic about just saying like why they should go for it and go. The the really easy points was the path is well. that it's easier than it normally would be. Yes. Given the division is not nearly as tough as the Atlantic typically is. But not only that, let's go further to that. You know who it's going to be. And the number two aspect of that is the team's going to look different next year. It's going to look different. It's going to look vastly different. I mean, we're talking about Freddie Anderson. We're talking uh, Hyman. Hyman will be back. Riley having another uh, one more year left on his deal. We can't lose Hyman. I think if you look at 
a couple guys who are, I would argue, definitely part of the core, even though they're not the big money-making dudes here. Right. But you've got to, you've got to go all in. Just maybe on the the feeling that you really don't know what the team's going to look like next season. I don't think it's going to be as strong. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say and, that? And it could on paper. It, it could least. absolutely not because you don't know if you're going to have Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons signing back for bargain deals next year. You can't guarantee that. Right, you can't pencil that one in. No, and we can't guarantee that whomever plays nets for the majority of next season is going to give us anything better than we've gotten from Freddie Anderson. Yeah, we have. And no you're talking I- to a guy that's gotten fed up with Freddie. Yeah. I was a va- I was a huge Freddie supporter up until like last year at this time, right? Yeah, we. Have I finally no, had enough. We have no idea what we're gonna uh, what we're gonna see, and I think the the intention was to get a lot more time out of Jack Campbell this year to better figure out what they have from him. He's going to be back uh, this weekend. We, we definitely know that, uh, that you know, he's a tremendous goaltender, but we just don't know how how far we can take him or or how much we can get out of him. But, yes, great to see he's coming back, uh, especially given the uh, eggs that Hutch has le- le- led. He laid. Laid, laid, <laughs> yeah. laid. Um, Jesus, man. <laughs> he, he, boy, I, I turned on that game. It was seven minutes in. I turned it on. I was like, 2 nothing. I'm like, what the hell happened? I'm like, oh, Hutch is starting. Oh, Anderson's in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a rough go. Honestly, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's gonna. I think we're going to look a lot different, and I think it's safe to say at this point in time an assumption that if the team, like barring any impending trades this year, if we just flip the calendar to next season, we are going to be not as good. Now, there may be a deal or two out there that Dubas is working on as we speak that has term on it. We've talked about it, Lesko. We haven't talked about it lately because it's been almost well, it's been almost a month now since we recorded. But there are deals out there that have term on them, you know, such as Ricard Raquel. You know, that's my number one guy. That's the guy that I want more than anything. If we can swing a Ricard, uh, a, a, a yeah, Ricard Raquel. If we can swing a Ricard Raquel deal. I, I, I would be over the moon. Like that would that's my ideal scenario. And at this point in time, I don't even give a fuck what you move to make it happen. And I mean, I guess I'm probably off limits at this point would probably be Amirov, Robertson, Sandine. Not right. necessarily in that order. Right. I'd probably put Amirov as our top prospect, followed shortly thereafter by, you know, Sandine and Robertson. Call them call them 2A and 2B. I think we have three very good level prospects. It's going to cost us one of them. Well, Which one like of those it's three? It's going to cost a lot cuz I'm seeing stories about the the uh, price being super high for them, but I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Like this is going to be a soft trade market. It's going to be a buyer's market. Well, when especially it's when not it gets right up now, to though. it, it's not it's right not now. It's not right now, but it's going to heat up real quick just because uh given the quarantine Period. Yeah, but it like hasn't that's, yet. That's good, but it's not enough. Like a six or whatever we got, eight Canadian teams does not have to heat up the market, right? Oh, fair enough. So even if they're they're want like, hey, we want to get going, it's not quite the same level of urgency with the American, the American teams, teams who might already <clears throat> by default be looking more at trading partners in the U.S. Right. That's a good point. That is a really good point. But for me, at this at this point in time. It, it needs to happen. It needs to happen really soon. Otherwise, you're you're risking a two-week quarantine, and then the guy's only going to get into like six games. Yeah. Six or seven it games. It has to happen soon. I, it I has think to I'm, happen I soon. I think I'm more – I'm higher on uh, Matthias Ekholm, bringing in a right-shot defender. Okay. Uh, from Nashville. He's signed uh, for next year as well. 
So that was my I, I know that's been a bit of well. an Term. appeal, a tip, typical appeal. Uh, we don't yet know if Nashville is going to go in fire sale mode, but it seems that the speculation surrounding them has been that's the direction they're going to go. So I'm sure they're, they'll, there's no reason why they wouldn't take a hard look at him, but obviously it's all about the price. The price is, you know, the price is right. And um, the Maple Leafs have been able to restock the cupboards a little bit in the draft the last few years. It's just whether or not they see a role in those players filling a hole uh, will determine whether or not they want to expand them in a trade. I guess, but man, like you're talking about potentially bringing in like an actual game breaker, okay? Not someone that you're just going to get in here for depth and then all of a sudden they start playing 3C. And it's like, oh, great, like we made this trade well, and he came in and he played third-line center and was an integral role on in our penalty kill. No, we're talking about like bringing in a top line, top six kind of player slash, you know, a, a, an elite level defenseman. Like see, these are game breaking players. But why do they want to? Why do they want to add? I, I, just, I still don't understand the speculation around why. Why do they want to add a top six player winger? Well, we need a top six. We have. Do we, we really though? Yeah, we have. We're I, the, I, we're I the second we highest scoring team in the NHL. Yeah, but that's not the point though. We need a top six player who can play in all situations, which is why. Ricard gets me all horned up is because he plays in all situations. He's PP one. He has he well he has sorry he has PP one skill. He probably wouldn't be PP one on our team, no. but he would make our PP two even that much better. But more importantly than that, dude, he plays on both sides of the puck. He's very good defensively. He also kills penalties. Like this guy, that's who we need on the up front. We don't need Philip. Forsberg. Everyone's no. jerking off to get Forsberg over yeah, here. It's just because we, people like Forsberg. And, and but we I don't need like, another player to shoot it in like, the net. We have like, a lot of players to shoot it in the net. I feel like a lot of people have really signed on to what we were talking about. Like, go for it. We need to make some moves type thing. And it's um, just amazing. I've talked about before how much I hate trade spec- speculation. But I did want to. Th- I'm glad we threw out a player. But this just, year it's fun. Just hearing the scenarios that, and stuff that people throw out there is just it's entertaining. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. But holy crap, man! Like some of the, th- the stuff people throw out there, it's like they can it, I read you they, one? They'll think it, I have one. For okay, you. They, they'll think it through as far as like okay, these guys for these guys make sense. But thinking about it past like this season, or thinking about how those guys, those players actually fit in the Leafs roster, is never given any consideration. Okay, so I'm not gonna bring up who posted this because it is a checkmarked uh, entity. You can look for it yourself if you want, but. This was the speculation that they are going to discuss, the hypothetical trade that these men will discuss on their show. <laughs> Nick Robertson, Rodion Amirov, Pierre Engvall, and a third-round pick for Ricard Raquel. Jesus. If that is not the, the most egregious <laughs> overpayment in the history yeah. Of overpayments, there's I don't no know way. what is. There's no way that would ever happen. Like, Not even close. Uh, I'm the one over here saying do whatever it takes to get Ricard Raquel. Jesus Christ, let's go. If that's the price, hang up the hang phone. Hang up the phone. And break it. Break the phone. Throw it in the lake. Okay, that there's no way that the price includes Robertson and yeah. Amirov, let alone a throw-in like, like that. Uh, were, were they posting that as if it was a realistic ask? Blank and blank discuss this hypothetical. Okay, so trade. they were just throwing guys out there. Okay, I I was hoping they were they weren't like uh, 
putting it out there like, oh, uh, I'm hearing the price would would need to be somewhere around here, like, like they were they no. knew the price and they were saying like for the Leafs it would look like this and it's but like, I mean that was like a formulated trade if 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 it was like one of like I said to you earlier it'd be one of those three it would be it would be a Mirov Robertson or yeah. Sandine don't now, be lucky if they get a second round pick and a prospect for Raquel I'm sorry it's just the market it's wow, just the you way think it is. so though dude dude he's, he, nobody's buying though think about it between the the I uh, agree with cap you. crunches I agree the economic situation yep teams are trying to cut costs not bring in cost. internal bu- budgets so this is where the Maple Leafs have the opportunity to use our financial might. Yes. They can, if they, they can afford to make maneuvers, they can afford to spend a little bit more money, whereas all these other teams are tightening up the purse. Yes. Strings, I, right? I, no, no, I fully agree. I actually had this exact, not argument, but I had this discussion with a buddy earlier, and, and, and he was saying to me, he was surprised to hear that I thought there would be more sellers than buyers. And the reason for that is because I, I, I think there's going to be more teams that – in this weird shortened season, they want to just they want to just sell. Okay, shed we're not sal- shed we're salary. Sh- shed salary. Well, we want to sell, assets. get assets, get futures, yeah. right? And there's a few teams with guys with pretty manageable cap numbers. We just talked about them, Raquel Ekholm, right? Like there are options out there, and those teams are going to be identified as sellers. They probably already are. Yeah, but the buyers, there's only really a handful of buyers that are ready to make a Big, significant, yeah. the number, impactful deal. I think that's part of the problem with what's holding up the market right now is that the number of buyers is small and the number of sellers is also small because you have a lot of teams and a lot of tight middling in these divisions right now where a team like Vancouver, say, is like, we're, yeah. we're a heater away we from can being do in it. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So you, you have these teams that aren't ready to start selling and it'll take a little more balls, I guess, to say for you to go, yeah, you know what? This is this is this isn't worth it. We're investing throwing in the in. towel. Let's throw in the towel and use an opportunity to shed salary. Especially like you said in this season, dude, where every game is a four point game now, right? right? So you gotta understand, like when you say that we're only a heater away, fuck dude, that heater could take you into third place. Right. Because you're beating all the teams ahead of you. Whereas in a normal world you you're might constantly have, stealing points. Yeah, you might have three games against the West. But there's also three four-point games that are happening in your own conference, and it goes to overtime. Like you got all that stuff to deal with. It's really hard to chase this year. It might not be that difficult to chase. So you're right. Sellers that should be sellers in a normal world, it might take them another two weeks. Yeah. To get to and the at point. that point, you've we're at the deadline. Gotten, we're <laughs> at the deadline, and with the uh, core team, like we're saying, you got to make a deal now if you want to have an impact. Because after the deadline, there's only like eight games for most teams. That's right. So. If if it takes too long for those teams to identify themselves as sellers, you know the, there, it doesn't make any sense to trade for a rental on the deadline. Mm-hmm. So rentals are going to start have, having to happen like now, or it's not going to be worth it if there is a quarantine involved. So it'll be tough for the buyers at the north of the border because they're going to be trying to shoehorn in their deals. I think soon, especially if they involve a U.S. based team, which. More than likely they would at this situation because I don't think anyone in the North Division is looking to help anyone out. No, it's not coming from Canada. Yeah. There's no way. One I mean, more... maybe a depth-level deal or something like that, but not a game-breaker. Yeah. No way. One more no question way. before we wrap up, uh, and it's a funny question, but what, what what's going on with the Leafs' power play? Because it's been awfully frustrating sometimes. It's still second in the league, and I think a lot of that's buoyed by the early success they had where they were producing at like 40% or something like Boyd. that. But what... 
Like, what do you make of it right now? Because the obvious thing for me is 34 is usage on the power play. <laughs> well, that's exactly where I was going to go. It's all Matthews related. And, and, it, and it has to It be. really goes to show you, dude, there's a couple things to note about this Matthews injury. Two things. Number one, um, it goes to show you how important he is to the team. Like, okay, I know we didn't have them for a couple games against Edmonton. We played great defensively, but it's fucking Edmonton. They have two players. All right? Let's not get too high up on our horse Let's here. not pop they have up two Edmonton players. too much. Okay? The point of the matter is, though, we are a completely different team without this guy. Could you imagine the team without this player? Let's not do that. Uh, because we, we are a completely different team without him. And the second one is relating to his ability to find other ways to score. I think it's really impressive that in the time frame where he has been unable to unleash that wicked snapshot, he's been tipping it in. He's been redirecting. He's been jamming in rebounds. He's been standing in front of the net. I think it's fantastic. But, and it's great to see that he's, he's still finding ways to score goals. But there. overall, it's not but helpful. Isn't it, 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 overall, though, it's just like we look, need how, shooting. look how much it changes the power play. It changes yeah. the play. It changes everything. It, it changes the way Marner's playing, right? Because like, he doesn't have that that go-to outlet for the one team. Like, obviously, that's not in, in Matthew's arsenal right now. Right. He hasn't taken one since the injury. So I think that dynamic has changed. It's made it a little easier to defend because you're not defending one of the best shooters in the NHL. Yeah. Um, I think Simmons maybe coming back will be nice because obviously his hands on the power play were, were pretty important, I think, early on the season with the power play's success. And, uh, and hopefully, hopefully I don't know if it'll coincide – but sliding Simmons into that net front and maybe getting Matthews back out to the dot. Healthy. You know, that obviously is our ideal configuration. So. I know I was uh, hearing some good feedback on Alex Galchenyuk. Because um, he's a Leaf now, so now he's good. No, but specifically <laughs> as it relates to his ability to shoot the puck. End, yeah. of, end of story. And make plays. He's always been a good player maker. Okay, so it's, if we can have him in a top six role where it's, you know, shielded minutes, offensive zone starts, PP2. I mean, the guy could thrive. The guy could bang home some one-timers, you know. And I think it's important, it's incumbent upon Sheldon Keefe to create an alternative way to be successful. Yeah. So and, if we're and, not going to have Matthews ripping those lasers from the dot, then why don't we try and open up the likes of Morgan Riley or someone else on that team to put more pucks on the net? Yeah, Morgan Riley can't get pucks through the net. <laughs> he has inherited the Tyson Berry point shot. He cannot seem to get a puck through to save his fucking life. If we could have a mixture of Tyson Berry's ability to just always get the shot off and... Cody Franzen's ability <laughs> to, to get it net. through, yeah. it would you'd have the greatest the defenseman ever. Defenseman yeah, best history. power play defenseman in history. Yeah, exactly. You know? But so. it's true. It's true. Riley, a little bit of a struggle city uh, yeah. on getting those through. But that's that's further to my point, though. Yeah. Maybe we find a different way to formulate this power play so that he has better lanes. Yeah, it seems that obviously they can't find anything that can compete with that, but they can't even find anything that can get us by in the interim. So... I assume they're just going to keep going with the same deployment. Uh, maybe Simmons changes that up if he does, in fact, come back next week. But we'll see. And, hey, you know, credit to Keefe as well. They got Galchenyuk. They pr primed him up a little bit in the AHL. They worked with him a little bit. And then he's getting thrown to the Wolves. Yeah. He's playing uh, with Nylander and Tavares, it looks like. That's who he skated with at practice the other day. So Man. It's, it's just like VC though. See what you got. And if you ain't got it, well, waivers you go, and you might end up in Vancouver. Do I pick him up? Who? Galchenyuk? Yeah. No. 
Why? Because he could be scratched the very next day. Yeah, but I mean, well, it's fantasy. Then you drop him. Who cares? All right. Well, if, if you got unlimited moves, well, we got three a week. You're not. We get, no, no, we got three tight, a week. If you're not tight on transactions, then maybe waste one on there. Well, we get three a week. I'm, you know, if he, if next podcast he's got six goals and and four assists and I don't know five games and could be genius. Yeah, you could look like the smartest fantasy man in the world. Right? He chased Nalberga for the title. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he was so pissed at me. He private messaged me the other day because I made a trade with Ty in our league, and it was not a good trade. I, I know it wasn't, but I need goalie. I need goalie help so badly. I'm getting destroyed. I lost I lost uh, last week because I didn't have enough starts, so that's pretty embarrassing. But uh, That happened to me, too. That but that's, happened to me. That's COVID-related, that that too, though. That was goalie-related, COVID-related, but also management. No, oh. I ran out of transactions. Oh, no. I could have I, I maneuvered something, and I was like, fanning on my cave. Well, if I pick up this guy tonight, and this guy comes back for injury because I had a uh, Rask injured, right? All over and it. And so I'm like thinking about it, and, I'm like, and then I look down, I'm like, I don't have enough moves. What am I and doing? I backed myself into a corner where it was like Thursday, and I could literally there was no scenario where I could get enough starts oh, to even. No. So I basically lost every category. I lost lost the week. That but. happened to me this week as well. Now, luckily for me, I shouldn't say luckily, but it made it feel better at the end of the day. I would have lost anyways. I I, I would have lost anyways, so it didn't really matter. But I was mad about it. Yeah, I was probably gonna lose. I was anyways. mad about it because what ended up happening was I. You're right. Same scenario. I used my moves as well, but then I had. Two separate goalies, boom, COVID. And then my third goalie played one of the other two goalies, so he was gone too. You know what I mean? So I lost everyone. I didn't even I, – I, there would have been nothing I could have done anyway. So I actually, in hindsight, I did it right because I just said, fuck the goalies, I'm going to lose anyways. Yeah. And I just I, – I, I loaded up on the forwards assist, and I ended Tried up losing. to win those categories, I lost the yeah. week like 5-4. I basically like – I had uh, kind of, of overlooked my goaltending for a little bit and then realized like, what am I doing? Like I looked at the guys I had. <laughs> I, I was tending. like, this guy hasn't won in like two weeks. Like why is he still on my roster? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Amazing. All right, my friend. Well, what are we saying? We wrap wrap it up, up, son. We're wrapping it up. All right. Well, what is that episode? What episode are we on? 78. 78. Is that what it is? Episode 78, Pucks and D Podcast. It's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Twitter at Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam. Find the show at PuckPod. Drop us a line, realpuckpod at gmail.com. I don't know if I'm going to get this video up, my friend. It, 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 it cut out on us about uh, like 15, 20 minutes in. Ah. So I'm going to see what I can do. I, I started it again. So at the very... We'll see w- if, if there's any clips you can at least get out of it that well, are semi-entertaining. Maybe the- clip that insurance, that insurance <laughs> home office stuff that we led with. <laughs> led in with the real heat. You're like, we're not dicking around. We're not fucking around. And then we went off on a tangent about working from home. Like, that hasn't been going on for a goddamn year. Yeah, but dude, the point of me saying we don't have time to fuck around is because we were going to gab and gab and gab for two hours, so we don't have fucking time to sit around for a two-minute intro. It's true, Let's though. get right after it. It is true. <laughs> and and I do want to point out that we have had lots of feedback from our fans that they really do enjoy hearing us just talk about random shit. Yeah, we so it doesn't always have to, have to be hot. An off-season random shit episode. And we skipped show and tell like, this week. Yeah, we've been... You know, uh, spreading the episodes a little bit to make sure we've got lots of content uh, to bring to you guys and talk to you guys about. But uh, you yeah, know, not every, that long. Again, every though. once in a while, yeah, that was too long. We gotta keep them. Yeah, we gotta keep them out of this. I mean, if you're still with us and you made it through the insurance stuff, like, geez, <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Fuck you. All right, that's it. We're done. We're going to bed. I'm fucking sick. Way of it. past my bedtime. Keep your sticks on the ice. See you guys again. 
when we see you.